Hey everyone, I am Becky and welcome to Buzzing About Romance, a quick shot of romance. And joining me for this episode is Lindsay. Hi, Lindsay. Hi. Um, this is part two of our unhinged quick shots, I think. <laughs> I love that. Did you say unhinged? Yes. Yes. I love that. Quick shots unhinged. <laughs> quick quick shots unhinged with Becky and Lindsay. So we read a couple of small town contemporary romances that have been buzz about them and talked about. Um, this one in particular has a little bit of some uh, gossipy with it, I guess, or background, back history on this one. We'll talk about it. So on this episode of A Quick Shot of Romance, we are reviewing Here With Me by Brooke Montgomery. This is book one in the Sugarland Creek series. If you go looking at author Brooke Montgomery, you will think that this is her debut. This in a novella. This is not her debut. Hmm. She has published under the name Brooke Cumberland. She is also one half of the former author duo Kennedy Fox. So you would expect, and I think Kennedy Fox had something like 75 plus titles under their belt. And were very successful before they dissolved their partnership. So you would expect a fairly well-written, well-executed book. Because she's written 75 successful books. But, but not alone. But not alone. So um, we'll link the synopsis of this book in our on-the-shelf show notes at buzzingaboutromance.com. Release date for this is September 6th of 2023. Tropes, Age Gap, Small Town, Forbidden. This is a family series, Cowboy, um, Instant Connection. The series is the Sugarland Creek series. These are going to be interconnected standalones. This is written in dual first-person point of view. Uh, put out percentage was 8%, but it fades to black, uh, which is what she does in the whole fucking book. And it was annoying. Like, I don't mind a one-night stand that fades to black. Especially so that if they're going to have, if the relationship's continuing and we're building up chemistry. She did that the entire book. So this it is really detracted from their chemistry too. It, it, it was like a fire extinguisher on their chemistry. Like you could not believe in their chemistry because as soon as it would start, like the flirting and the banter would gear up, it quickly faded to black. And I also think this is bullshit that she didn't market as fade to black or closed door because that's what this is. Yeah. Made me a little rangy, ragey, Lindsay. Yeah, that's not even where the issue started for me, though. Okay, well, let me finish this. Audio <laughs> narrators in this book are narrated by T Tor Tom and Maxine Mitchell. I did not listen to the audio, but Lindsay did. So tell everybody... How was the audio, Lindsay? Trash. <laughs> it was trash. Why I was love it trash? Tortom. I love Tortom. I, lo I love Maxine Mitchell. I think they're both great. There is a fake Southern accent they adopt throughout the whole book that is so bad. It's so bad. And it's so unnecessary because they keep going back from their Northern normal voices to their Southern accent. And like, I've, the section where this book takes place, they don't even have Southern accents. They have like a mountain Virginia accent, which is wholly different. 
And it was just awful. It took away from the story, but that is, it didn't, it didn't actually take away from the story because the story was, in my opinion, not that great to start with. Like I just struggled. I struggled, wholly struggled with this book. So there is a third act breakup. It is encouraged that if you're going to pick this title up, please read the author's notes for content warnings. Now, if you get the audiobook, the author's notes and content warning are not included in the audiobook. And fucking shame on whoever was her producer on that. That's a mistake. Yeah, I when I listened to the first chapter, I texted Becky and I was like, are there no trigger warnings for this book? Because I was appalled. The first the first scene in the book, I had no warning whatsoever. Right. He's talking about committing suicide. And there is an attempt in that first chapter. Yeah. And I had no warning at all. None at all. The day I was listening to this, I was not in the mood for that. And usually trigger, I don't need trigger warnings. I use them as like, maybe I'm not in the mood for that book right now, but I'll read anything. Like I will read anything. And I did not appreciate that at all. So shame on whoever was the producer for that audiobook, because, and shame on this author for not making sure that that was included in the audio because it was jarring. And then there are a couple of chapters later on in the book where he describes, because part of the reason that he's contemplating suicide is his daughter has died in a tragic accident and it has torn the family apart. And he is just at his end, like depression. Obviously, he does not feel like he can go on living. And later on in the book for two chapters, he describes what happened how his daughter died, about the accident, about living through her funeral, and then his suicide attempt, again, later on in the book. And holy crap, if you had triggers and you picked up that audiobook, that would be terrible. Terrible. So that right there is like, are you fucking for real, people? Do better. Um, And it does make me want to see who produced that audio and send them an email and be like, you did a, you're doing a disservice to your listeners. Yeah. Because I just download and I hit, I press play and I listen to all the opening credits and then I listen to everything else. And if it is in there, I completely missed it. I think you would have noticed because she goes through like, it's really all kind of jumbled together. She talks about the family tree about the retreat, because the um, Noah, our heroine, her family owns like a dude ranch resort and horse training facility in northeastern um, Tennessee. And I say northeastern Tennessee, which would be weird because that's where the Smoky Mountains and the National Park are. But I assume there could be some families that still have land in that area that didn't get absorbed into the national park. Um, Because I spent the first. Because when they meet, they're at a horse show, like a expo of barrel racing competition type stuff. And I think that that takes place in Virginia. But they never drive home. No. I thought the book took place in Virginia. 
And then there's all this mention in Tennessee. It's very unclear where they're located. Like, I feel like that's a basic kind of specific that needs to be included at the beginning. Like, there's ways to do that. But, like, if you're going to include multiple locations across state lines in a book, you need to be very specific about where you're located to give some kind of, like, there's no three-dimensional imagery in this book, really. Like, you can't immerse yourself into the town or anything like that. Like, usually- well, they don't like even describe read... the town. She drives yeah. to a restaurant. She drives it. out of town to the retreat and drives to the ex-boyfriend, the hero's son's house. Like, and the hero drives to his house. But we don't have an idea of what this town looks like. We don't know other restaurants or stores or anything like that. And here's the other problem with this location. In the conversation and banter, there was this deep southern accent. So I am talking western Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, like that, not the Texas twang, but that deep southern accent. That would not be in Tennessee. And nope. it talks about her family being from there for generations. And it was like character consistency here, people. Character consistency. Yeah. There's um, a lot of plot holes in this one, too. There's character consistency and plot holes. Well, and then she tried to throw a spin of suspense in there. The suspense line was wholly unnecessary. It took away from so much potential like there was so much opportunity to develop these characters there was so much potential with them and i felt like the suspense plot line detracted from that development entirely the entire romantic suspense plot line felt entire it just was flat um and then it obviously like the obvious point of that suspenseful plot line was to pit her and fisher the hit pit noah and fisher together as they're struggling with as they've decided to be respectful of Jace, her ex-boyfriend, Noah's son, and well, no, they're Fisher's not going son. to be together. Noah's yeah, the Fisher's girl, son. Fisher is the guy. So Fisher is the estranged father of Jace, who is Noah's ex-boyfriend. Um, he's estranged from his son due to the loss of his daughter 15 years previous. And he has been hired by Noah's family to replace the retiring farrier, which I was kind of excited for this part a little bit because I felt like um, this is not something we see in small mm -hmm. town, contemporary Western cowboy romances, right? We don't often see farriers, but they're a big part of that lifestyle, and I, yeah. and I was excited for that. But then some of the horse stuff got kind of weird. Now, I am not a horse girl. I'm not a horse girl. I don't even play a horse girl on TV. Um, but I do know a couple of things. And one of the things I know is horse trainers that train for barrel racing do not train for jumping. That is two very different kinds of technique and experience. Also, I didn't understand the trick um, piece. 
Oh, the trick riding. Yeah. Okay. So trick riding is essentially like gymnastics on horses. It's like. But would a barrel, um, like would a horse trainer for barrel racing or a horse trainer for jumping also be an expert in trick riding? So jumping is, okay. I used to ride horse. I rode horses for five years growing up. Um, the only way that she would be able to train all of those areas is beginner level. When you get to an elite competition level, you are very specialized. Um, it's like basically being, having a PhD in a subject area, but in training, because you've got to have dedicated time and experience and things like that. That's my first issue with Noah. She's 22. She does not have the experience. She's risen very quickly to being an elite level trainer. But again, like Becky's point, it's very hard to believe that storyline because jumping is English style riding, which is completely different from Western style riding. Now, if you're focusing on like rodeo type riding, it is reasonable that you'd be able to do like barrel racing and um, trick riding because both of those are rodeo type riding. Trick riding is like when they're standing up on the horse's back and riding or like they're like a lot of the tricks, they'll be like hanging off the horse. Um, they'll do like flips from one side of the horse to the other when they're hanging off the saddle. So like the, it's a very different type of riding style and it is extremely athletic and also extremely dangerous because the horses are usually like galloping. Um, so it's like a show, a show type style of riding that goes hand in hand with like the rodeo okay right but english is something but totally it just different. it all felt jumbled and it didn't make sense it was like hey these are words that are associated with horses let's put them in the book because let's i want to talk about that real quick i have two more points that i think we need to talk about with this book first there was so much repetition of character actions dialogue same conversations and stories told with side characters multiple background multiple times was the background given a lot of the repetition could have been cut out and actually developed the relationship because that leads into how muted this chemistry was we would get foreplay and spent half the book trying to get them past foreplay because she faded to black and we never saw the love and and i'm not saying i always need sex forward in the book but these two had no chemistry. There was no emotion spent between the two of them. And I do wonder if we had seen some of the actions, some of the care given when you're with your lover, if we would have seen that, would that have helped the chemistry? But she could have done all of that had she cut out all the repetitiveness. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was a very sloppy written plot. The horse stuff, I read a series as a kid that was like a kid's series at the time called Heartland, where the female character in that series is um, like a. Oh, very isn't that a Netflix series now? It's, uh, I think so. I think they have like a, they filmed it in Canada and it's like got 16 seasons or whatever, but it's based on the bookstores series, which I read. Um, and it seemed very similar to that in the concept where like the main character is a horse trainer and she specialized basically in like any type of horses. But then like, as far as this story goes, like when you get like, that was a really interesting element, like the horse trainer and the farrier first plot issue. There is a 
moratorium of workplace romances at her parents' ranch. That's never addressed. That's never resolved. It isn't. I never even I missed that. Um, I missed that that was never resolved. Jesus. Yeah, I was just like, um, okay, that's the that's one of the factors that work against them. And then you've got the other factor of like her ex boyfriend, who's currently her friend. Um, well, yeah, who's and- pissed that they're together, but there's never a conversation of like one of them explaining them. The Fisher has an accident. And isn't up in the hospital, and all of a sudden Jace is like, "I guess I can come to terms with it, but don't push me." And then that's it. Well, he finds out while they're in the hospital. So, like when they're in the hospital, he realizes that like the fact that she's there for her his dad, um, he like storms out. You never see that on the page at all. This all happens off the page, but during the story, and like the book is building up to that moment, right? Like when he finds out, like this is an age gap romance ex-boyfriend's dead that's the drama we want to see in this book yeah and instead we got a fire in a barn and a snake in the hay like and i'm not even talking about a good snake i'm talking about a real fucking snake um they both wind up injured and then yeah like jace the scene where jace finds out happens off the page and we don't find out about it as a reader until fisher wakes up and she tells him noah tells him where jace is well, yeah. Okay. So I want to talk about this one last thing before we ask the question. Because <laughs> this is a pet peeve for me that I didn't even know was a pet peeve until fairly recently. Because there's one particular author that everyone loves that is all about the pop culture references in her books. And I've gotten oh, to the God. point that I cannot read her books anymore because the pop culture is so thick and so heavy that it just dates the fucking book. So they, this book has too many pop culture references and they are so repetitive and they are so forced that every time it was mentioned, it took me right out of the book. Like there was no coming back to the story because I just was irritated that I had to read one more fucking thing about Taylor Swift. The horse is named Taylor Allison Swift. The song, t- something by Taylor Allison Swift. Uh, a comment about Taylor Allison Swift. Like, it was all in the book. And I get it. She's a big deal. And people really like her. But what happens in two years when her popularity dies down? And she's waving out of her current popularity. This book has no shelf life. You've yeah. just dated this book and yourself. And maybe it's the Gen X in me. Maybe I'm freaking old and turning into my grouchy father when it comes to music. I have no feels one way or another. Do not come at me, you guys. I don't. If you love Taylor Swift, that's great. But I want to say there were over 60 references in this book to Taylor Swift and Taylor Swift things. And it was annoying. It was, there's, it's fine if it's one or two, but in this one, it's like shouted from the rooftops. If they've put the same amount of effort into building chemistry between the characters as they had into inserting as many Taylor Swift references as there were in this book, I think the book might have had more potential. But actually probably not because there's other issues as too. I have a couple more I wanted to highlight. Okay, highlight so all you your issues. Fully, fully informed here. So I felt like the book included more 
illusion and got me more interested in Trip and Magnolia's book, which is book two, than in these characters. There is a line between leaving breadcrumbs and basically shipping the story. Like that story was shipped so hard. I wish I'd read that book instead. Like that is not how I should leave the book at all. Yeah, I wasn't. I, I don't know. It felt like Fisher had... and Noah. Fisher and Noah were placeholders for the story she really wants to write, which felt like it's going to be book two. It is going to be book two. It's the next book, and she sets up for it in the epilogue. And I looked, and it is book two. Shocking! Um, I did not read the epilogue. Oh well, you didn't miss much. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't need to. Um, and then the second part I wanted to mention is like Fisher has a tragic past. Like we get. Fisher, the suicide scene to start the book. And then you find out that he went through a two-year program to deal with his mental health and to become stable. And then he's been like, if you're going through a two-year program to be stable after a tragic loss like that, why did it take him eight extra years to come to Sugarland Creek and actually try and re you know, do anything to rekindle a relationship with his son. Yeah. Like I just had a really hard time buying that. Like if you're okay after two years enough to be, I, I just had well, a really hard time. And there were situations that. he continued to put himself in that if you've had two years of pretty intense inpatient therapy, wouldn't some warning bells be going off? Like when his son demands that he have dinner, when Fisher and Noah have dinner with Jace and he's like flirting with, Noah and really pushing on himself onto Noah like wouldn't some warning bells have gone off in his brain and he'd been like okay danger danger abort get out and you know like confront it use your big words and talk about it but he doesn't they both just sit there at dinner like he flat out calls her his girlfriend they're broken up and he refers to her yeah. as his girlfriend. No one knows going into the dinner that he's referred to her as his girlfriend because Fisher's like, hey, here's what's going on. Like, are you sure things are really over between the two of you? And I, I just had a hard time with that. And then there's a point where he's blatantly disrespectful to Noah. There's a, and he's a total douchebag to her, just goes off at her um in front of her brothers and everything and like he he doesn't even know about her relationship with fisher at this point he's just jealous and upset and that whole scene like if he really cared about her if he really cared about her like he wouldn't have treated her that way yeah. and that made it and like, the fact that they were able to resolve things or that her family was even encouraging them to mend the friendship just seemed very weird because they're so overprotective of her as the baby of the but family that, and like so the, the family didn't make a lot of sense either and no. i don't really want to get into that because that family felt like i felt like brooke tried to write that family as being like this perfect 1950s yeah you know um nucleus family you know everybody loves everybody we all live together happily on the farm and Honestly, it was weird. There was a lot of weird with the family. Um, so I'm going to ask, are you going to read the next book in the series or are you done? I'm, I'm done with this author. I will not read her again. Yeah, I think I'm done too. 
I mean, I'm curious about them, but not curious enough to give the author any more space or time. Okay, so I'm going to ask the question, Lindsay. Should people read Come Here Are Here With Me? No. No, they should not. I don't disagree with you. I don't think it's... It just wasn't great. It was really a letdown. Um, and I had some high hopes for it. So, anyway... Lindsay, thanks for hanging out with me and reading here with me. <laughs> thanks for actually chatting with me about these about our true feels. It's so fun. It is fun. <laughs> um, you know, more unhinged book reviews coming soon from Becky Lindsay, I'm sure. Um, until next time, everyone. Happy reading. Find us on Instagram at Buzzing About Romance or on Twitter at Buzzing Romance. If you like the podcast, please leave a review. If you'd like to support us directly, join the Bookcase and Coffee Patreon and receive exclusive content only available to Patreon members. Check out bookcaseandcoffee.com for our on-the-shelf show notes.